0: Before we start this episode, this episode of The Locker Room is presented by bbchick.com. BBChick Chick is a recruiting service made just for women's basketball players. Unlike other recruiting websites, this innovative hub offers an enchanting blend of affordability and unwavering support, empowering coaches to forge deep connections with talented players through their own personalized live profile. With access to over 2,000 coaches, BB Chick can help you contact coaches through email and monitor each of their movements on your profile with their remarkable coach tracker. BB Chick is sure to benefit or kickstart your recruiting process. Use the link in the description to sign up for BB Chick to jumpstart your recruiting. With that being said, cue the intro music. Mike Check, Mike Check, one two one two. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Locker Room Podcast. I'm here with former University of Utah guard and current Denver University guard, Jackson Branchley. Jackson, good to see you, man. This is a long time coming.
1: What's up, Wyatt? Thanks for having me on, man. Good to be
0: here. Of course. How's, uh, how's Denver been? Because it's
1: been, what, a month since you moved? Yeah, about a month. Been really good. Uh, really good. You know, the weather. summer ball workouts. Yeah, I've been mean, talking about the weather and everything. Pretty similar to Salt Lake. Summer ball's been good. A lot of workouts going on. We just finished our, our fourth, fifth week of the summer, so we got a couple more left, and then we're done. Sounds good. How are you guys looking this season? Should be good. Should be good. Um, obviously, I don't really know much about um, the Summit League, so you know I haven't played in it yet, but you know our, t- mm-hmm. our team feels good, and you know, I'm excited to, excited to get to the season for sure.
0: I right, for sure let's just get right into it jackson who was like the first person to put a ball in your hands or how were you introduced to basketball
1: yeah i i always had a little tight coop. you know me and my little brothers were always hooping in a little tight coop in the driveway um the weird thing is though because i i spent most of my childhood living um in china in shanghai china um, oh really i didn't move back to the states until i was 10 so in china i didn't play Like any basketball, I would play soccer. So I moved back here when I was ten. Is when I first started playing like like junior jazz and all that Mm -hmm. uh, rec league, and then started you know making my way up. But um, so it's kind of a late start, you know, playing first organized basketball at age ten compared to some other guys, you know, playing AAU like at three years old or four years old. So (laughs) yeah, but that's kind of how I got into it. I just you know loved it, you know, ever since. For sure.
0: I mean, pretty much being a Utah native, talk about what the basketball culture is like in Utah and how it separates from other states.
1: Yeah, but the basketball culture is, you know, big time. Everyone loves it. Everyone loves the jazz. Everyone loves, you know, all the college sports teams in, in Utah. Um, something I've noticed too is, you know, a lot of Utah basketball players, when they merge and mesh into, players from other states, I always feel like they had the best, like fundamentals, always really good shooters, know the game, you know, not selfish, know how to pass the ball, know how to, you know, do all the fundamentals, set screens, etc. And I think that's what kind of sets uh, us apart, you know, with coaches, because coaches love that kind of stuff. So uh, I think that's definitely an advantage to Utah kids going to play high school ball and, you know, post high school basketball. Yeah, uh, no doubt about it. Let's just get right into your
0: high school career. I mean, extremely successful, two state championships, third best player in the state by ESPN, second best player in the state by
1: 24-7. What did that mean to you when you got those rankings? Yeah, those, I mean, honestly, those rankings didn't mean much to me growing up. It was always kind of a thing where I always wanted to be the best, but um, what really made me kind of feel the most accomplishment was when I, you know, won the state championship with my team and then about a month later I got named, you know, Utah's Mr. Basketball. So that was just a really great feeling and um something that, you know, is always in the books that can never be taken from me. So um obviously a great accomplishment and it's something I'm really proud of and it's just humbling to be, you know, in those on the list between all these, you know, great you know, NBA players, Hall of Famers or whatever. So um mm. definitely humbling for sure.
0: How's that push you forward or how did
1: that push you forward to keep working? Yeah, I think that was actually really good for me because, you know, a lot of times you can reach that milestone and, oh, you know, Mr. Basketball and you kind of can settle and think, oh, I, know I got it easy now. Um, but, you know, that made me think, you know, wow, like this list has all these great players on it. You know, I what, 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 what am I going to do? So, um, right. Definitely pushed me to become a better player and try to, you know, um, do the best I could and, and perform at the highest level here in college. Yeah. No, it definitely seems like
0: it. So, reading your University of Utah bio, you, you also played tennis, two time state championship, or two time state champion in that as well. I mean, basketball and tennis is a, to say the least, interesting mix of, yeah. you know, being a multi sport athlete. How did you come about playing tennis and at
1: what point did you decide it was all in on basketball yeah I first picked up a tennis racket like I said when I was living in China um I just played soccer and then I had a couple like tennis lessons in uh, in my community and that was how I kind of started playing tennis and then my my family kind of played for fun and then I decided to try out and I as a freshman, you know, I made varsity and just kept going. And I, I loved, I love the aspect of you know, especially playing singles. It's just you versus mm-hmm. other person. You know, basketball, you got to worry about your teammates and other teams, five players. While wow, that's great, I love the aspect of one on one, and um, it's really c- competitive for me. So, um, yeah, tennis was fun, and, and I love playing, I love watching it. And then, ultimately, you know, basketball was able to get me farther, farther in life, farther, you know, achievements and, you know, getting scholarship et cetera. So um, that's the route I chose. And, you know, I'm so grateful that I chose it. Mm.
0: So with that being said, I mean, you talk about basketball taking you farther. farther. Talk about your experience of
1: getting recruited at the level you did. Yeah. At the level I did, I just, throughout high school you know freshman, freshman sophomore junior year started getting a bunch of you know phone calls and letters in the mail and you know people calling me calling my parents um, I ended up deciding you know I, I remember I wrote out like a pros and cons list of each school that I was kind of re- recruiting me and offered me and ended up you know picking University of Utah just based off the coaching staff how much they how much I felt they liked me they loved me as a player and as a person and Obviously, location was was really good. You know, it wasn't too far from home, about two hours, but it wasn't like I'm um, living next door to my parents. Still, I can still you know get get a little away and then come home for the weekends or if I wanted to, whatever. So, mm-hmm. and then obviously, Pac-12, you know, Power Five conference, great facilities, um, really take care of you there. So I lo- I love my decision and so grateful for my experience at at the University of Utah and, and for sure a proud alumni. Definitely talk about, uh, did you take any official visits or unofficial visits? Yeah, I took some unofficials. I took some to like Utah state, Utah Valley, uh, Utah, BYU. Mm -hmm. Um, I never, I'm trying to think, I don't think I took any outside outside of Utah because I, yeah, I don't think I took any, my, my first visit outside of Utah Official visit outside of Utah was when I took an official here to Denver. Um, oh, really? Second time and around. The, so, and you were in the. I did, program. I did, I did official Utah, and I loved it there, and um, yeah, it was a great time.
0: So, talk about those visits and what aspects you were looking for in each school, because you took visits on all in-state schools. Yeah. So, talk about you
1: know what you were looking for and what you found important. What I found important was just the trust, the trust factor. Who I can trust the most, who believes in me the most. Um, and where I can see myself succeeding um, I also you know value the the academic part of going to school and I know the University of Utah had, has a really good business program so that um, kind of was also a factor in my decision. Um, so yeah just trust the trust factor and and who believes in me and where I can succeed and take my you know take my college experience and make that beneficial to the rest of my life is it's how I made my decision.
0: Right, definitely. So then who were some of your biggest influences during your
1: recruiting process? Um, definitely, you know, my parents helped me along the way a lot. A lot of my AAU coaches, uh, Kendall Youngblood, Tim Davis, Lynn Lloyd, those guys are all part of Utah Prospects, the AAU team I played for, mm-hmm. kind of help and guide you in those, this, those decisions. Uh, but mainly and most importantly were my, my mom and dad who helped me and those this, those decisions, right?
0: Was uh, Utah prospects still uh, Adidas Circuit
1: team? Yes, when they are they were on there. Yeah. They were my first year. They were Under Armour, and they went. We were called Exum Elite. Dante XM was kind of yeah, our Dante X and team and funding us. And then he got traded or whatever happened. No longer was in Utah. No longer with with us. And we went to yeah uh, you know, Utah prospects. So. Mm -hmm. so talk about what it was like
0: playing on that adidas circuit because that's i mean everybody in basketball knows how competitive those circuits are but for the people who don't just talk about the level of competition and what that schedule is like playing for
1: one of the three circuit um leagues yeah so for those who don't know you know nike adidas under armor they all have a circuit where the top players in the country form teams and go compete in big tournaments in california vegas florida you know dallas wherever and so uh, i played on the adidas circuit which is arguably it's probably number two nike's probably number one right now the nike EYBL. Mm-hmm. adidas is really really great league and um fortunately utah has an adidas circuit team which is pretty rare and i was able to play on that team and you know, you go to these tournaments. Say, per se, Vegas. You go there and you play five games in three days. And every coach in the country, from Duke to you know Utah Valley to Kansas, Portland, whatever, everyone in the country is there watching you. In just one big gym, you are playing against the best players from the East Coast, the South, wherever. It's mm-hmm. opportunity to showcase your talent and you know get get looks for the future. So that's um how how it goes. It's a great experience. Super fun to be on the road, you know, with your teammates and developing those friendships.
0: Right. Did you have any particular experiences with any coaches while you were on the road? Um, not really.
1: If I remember right, you're not really allowed to talk to them in person when you're there. Oh uh, really? If I remember right. I don't know if the roles may have changed, but I remember kind of just kind of walk by them. You can't really say anything. You know, they walk by your parents, can't really say anything, but, um, it's kind of one of those things.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So you, I mean, you probably must've played against some pretty notable guys. Uh, do you remember any off the top of your head? Off the top of my head, I remember
1: playing against, um, well, what was really cool is I went to, um, I was invited to CP3 invite only camp when I was in eighth grade. Oh, really? And at that camp, there was just a ton of um, NBA NBA drafted guys. Mm-hmm. Um, just a ton of guys that were in the NBA. I Can't remember all their names. There's so many I could go back and look. But I mean, we go to these tournaments and you know, see, you know, Lamella Ball, Zion Williamson, Kyle Guy you know, all these guys playing, it's just, it's just crazy Mm -hmm. experience. Yeah,
0: for sure. One of the other basketball guys we had on Connor Prince, who's, uh, he plays division three at Claremont McKenna. He played in that same CP three camp when he was in eighth grade. Oh, really? Connor's going to be, I think if I remember correctly, he's going to be a senior next year, but he was telling me like, played against Darius Garland, um, I and mean, some other like pretty high level NBA guys, but yeah. Talk about what that does as far as like an eye opening standpoint, playing against guys who you know will probably be playing at the highest level at some point.
1: Yeah, at that point I was just I don't know what was going on I was in eighth grade, flew that flew to North Carolina from, you know, Providence, Utah. And it was just a crazy experience walking in the gym and yeah, you know, I'm probably a six foot eighth grader, you know, pretty tall guard and um, I'm there with like six, eight, seven footers. I guess it was just crazy to be there and in the gym. It was was a really good experience though to, to, you know, have that on my, you know, my resume to have that experience and to get to play with those Mm -hmm. players and see, wow, like these guys are, if I want to be that type of guy, like I have to keep working and, you know, become better because those guys are, you know, pretty legit.
0: Right. So fast forward back to, you commit to Utah, uh, finish your senior year, talk about, you go on your LDS mission, and talk about a a lot of people probably, at least listeners here outside the state of Utah, might not understand how it works when players go on their missions before coming back. So talk about how that works um, from a roster standpoint uh, when you go on your mission and then come back when you're... Twenty or yeah. twenty-one,
1: depending on when you go. Yeah. So the religion that I'm a part of is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and it gives an opportunity for um, those who graduate high school to, if they want, they can go serve a serve a church mission. So I decided I wanted to go. I applied for it, sent an application, and then you don't pick where you go. A couple weeks later, they send me a, a letter in the mail. I open it up, and I'm I've been called to serve in the in Taiwan. So right after high school, I, I moved to Taiwan. I lived there for two years, just, you know, my mission, mainly serving others and trying to, you know, teach people about Jesus Christ. Um, but so I had that, decision. that's kind of what a mission is just for those who don't know. Uh, but I had that decision made, you know, before high school, I, I knew I wanted to go on a mission and, and mm-hmm. you know, do that um, service. So during the recruiting process in high school, I would tell coaches that and i would tell them hey i'm actually not going to be available until 2019 instead of like graduating year 2017. Mm-hmm. so sometimes that doesn't work with the roster like they only got a spot this year or the next year mm-hmm. or in two years they don't they don't need a guy in two years per se so mm-hmm. um there are a couple of schools that actually you know would turn me down and say oh really well sorry we're not we're no longer interested you know we we want you this year or you watch know, the following or whatever. So mm-hmm. um, it was kind of a frustrating or sometimes hard situation to deal with. But um, luckily, University of Utah was very um, good to work with, and they they knew how to handle it, and they respected my decision. Was able to put my scholarship on on hold. Um, so I just you know was able to go on a mission, come back two years later, and start as a freshman as like a twenty one. 20, 20, 21 year old freshman, So mm-hmm. uh, that was a um, you know blessing to have them let me go. And, you know, it's great. What a great experience it was mm-hmm. for me to live, you know, different country for two years and something I'll never forget and grateful that it worked out at Utah.
0: Yeah, for sure. So talk about then how it works as far as you being able to, you know, touch a basketball while you're out there. Yeah.
1: So it depends, depends on where you are, obviously mm-hmm. in the States, it's a lot easier to go find a gym or find, you know, a, a park or find a, a church gym to go play in. In Taiwan, I'd say maybe one out of 10 churches would have a gym. Um, they actually do have a lot of parks you can go play at. Um, in terms of what you're allowed to do, um, every Monday you have time to go and do what you kind of want to do in the daytime. Other than that, you're, you're doing, you know, your, your work. So Mondays, mm. I would try to go find a gym. Also, every morning you have a, about an hour for um, workout time, like, um, you know, fitness time, stay in shape. So I would try to find a gym near me or, you know, dribble a basketball in, in my apartment or go run around the track, stay in shape. I would, you know, try to push up sit-ups. So mm-hmm. I didn't play a lot of basketball, honestly, my, my, for two years. Um, mm-hmm. I'd say maybe once or twice a month, I would touch a ball on average. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes, some right. sometimes depending on where I was, it would be, every day for a month sometimes it'd be zero days for a month so Mm -hmm. um that was it was kind of a good rest for my body but it also did take a while to get back into it and to find my shot and to get my legs back and to learn how to Mm -hmm. remember how to dunk again kind of thing so right Yeah. (laughs) yeah
0: so then i mean coming back you've probably played little to no organized basketball how, I mean, getting back into the swing of things, when you get back to Utah, you probably immediately, you know, get into fall camp or, you know, summer, fall. How quickly did it really take you to really get fully back into the swing of
1: things? Yeah. I came back off a of mission end of May and like June 2nd, I remember it was June 2nd. We had our first day of, of mandatory be there for summer, summer camp, summer basketball practices, workouts, lifting, et cetera. So um, I came back, had a week or two to get ready. I remember walking in the gym and, you know, as a freshman come off a mission, I hadn't really what to expect. College basketball, I'm coming in there with all these big-time recruits, big-time players, Pac-12 level guys. And it's pretty pretty scary and, you know, um, humbling experience to, to be there just right off a mission from Taiwan. And um, But, you know, fortunately, I had great coaching staff and great teammates to help me, you know, just – you know, adjust quickly and um, right. it was fun though. It was good. Definitely.
0: So talking I mean, we've brought up Utah and the Pac-12. What is it like playing in a power five conference, more specifically the Pac-12 and what separates the Pac-12 from other conferences from a basketball standpoint?
1: Yeah. Once you get a conference play, it is, it is, a, it is an amazing experience because you're every night, every single night you're playing against NBA guys you're playing in, in big cities with big time players. You know you're playing in Arizona, you know Tucson, Arizona State, and Phoenix. Then you go to next week. You go to UCLA and, and and USC. And then two weeks later, you go to Oregon. You know, so it's just there's no nights off. Every night is a tough game, and that's something that I think a lot of other you know teams you know in the state or around the country um, don't realize is is how, how good the pac 12 is and you know even this last year lots of guys getting drafted and you know signing two-way contracts so even you know, the talent is definitely there and um it's great to be a part of
0: yeah no doubt so your early years in utah larry chris koliak was the head coach before his firing uh middle of 2021 right after the season
1: uh-huh, right here, yep. yep
0: yeah. What is it like dealing with a coaching change midway through your college career? Yeah, it was
1: interesting because Coach Coach K, coach K he recruited me, offered me, gave me the opportunity. I played for him for two years. Then he got let go, and Coach Smith came in, and played for him for two years. So I got two years of each coach, and um, it's just um, actually the interesting part is after the, in the transition between two coaches, a lot of my teammates left, transferred. They don't want to deal with a new really? coach and. Um, you know, usually you want to play for who recruits you because they have loyalty mm-hmm. to you and want to see you succeed, right. et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of my guys transferred out, but I you know I I wanted to be loyal to Utah, loyal to you know where I committed to for four years, and I I love Coach Smith and wanted to trust him, so I, I stuck with it and stayed with it, and I'm grateful I did. Um, but you know both coaches were great people, great coaches, and um, but they definitely had you know differences and similarities and along with the staff they had underneath them. Uh, but yeah, it was a, a weird process. Cause I remember I was actually, I was visiting um, my girlfriend who lived in Orem. And it was like five o'clock. And I got a text that says um, from our AD, Mark Harlan. He said, mm-hmm. be in the gym at 5.30, mandatory meeting. <laughs> I was like, <sighs> I was like 45 minutes away. So I got, right. I got in the car, sped there, um, pulled up like, I don't know how I got there in time. I got there like at 535, walked in, and it just had like finished the four-minute meeting of, hey, we're letting go, Coach K. Um, super sad. and was like freaking out. What's going on? Like, we were shocked. Um, so that's kind of that little experience, the, uh, how the coaching change happened, how we were notified. Yeah. No, that's wild. So,
0: I mean, you talk about all your guys transferring. You, I mean, you obviously stayed because you wanted to be loyal. But then talk about what that transition is like bringing in a bunch of new guys as well as Coach Smith coming into that next season.
1: Yeah, it was definitely um, something that wasn't adjusted because new coach coming in, new terminology, new – way to do things, new um, level of culture or structure, or, you know, whatever you want to call it, just different, different vibes all around. And then all, he brought in, Cushman brought in a couple of his guys from his previous school, Utah State. So he brought those guys in, brought other transfers in. And, you know, I think we had like nine new guys that year, which is crazy. And so a lot mm-hmm. of the summer was spent trying to learn, learning who each, who each other are, learn our games, learn terminology, learn new plays um etc so um very different experience for sure definitely
0: so what was it working like with coach smith because he's been all over the game of college basketball put, uh, coached at multiple levels multiple high level schools what was it like working with him
1: yeah i love coach smith i loved you know the way he did things and he's very you know uh, particular in how he wants to do things whether that's the scout scouting or whether that's uh, practice and he holds us accountable and i love you know playing for him and um, winning games with him definitely
0: so with that being said moving on to your next year your next two years uh definitely two up and down years um two seasons where you guys started pretty strong before conference play and, some of conference play was a struggle, but once again, the Pac-12 is an incredible conference to play in. How do you deal with some of those ups and downs throughout the year, and how does your team deal with it? And what were the th- some of the
1: things Coach Smith was telling you guys? Yeah, we talked about this year. You started off great, you know. Went to conference, started off. I want to say five and one or something, five and two, maybe mm-hmm. six and one. Because you guys were ranked yeah, at one point. Knocked off Arizona. So we were, yeah. we were on a roll and, you know, then we cut a couple of injuries and started trending downhill. But, um, you know, winning, winning, I like to say, winning, winning cures everything. You know, when you're winning, everyone's happy, everyone's in a good mood and you start losing, you know, things can kind of turn, you know, turn ugly. But, you know, I'll, i I want to say our team stuck together and Coach Smith had us together and we were both able to, you know, get through those hard times of, Couple losses, in, losses in a row. Um, you know, obviously, the season end did not end how we wanted it to end, um, but you know we we all learned from that, and hopefully, you know Utah has a great year this next year, and I can learn from that mm-hmm. and take that to my my new school. Hey everyone, I'd like to apologize. This last seven minutes of this
0: episode got cut off and unfortunately due to editing reasons they can no longer be in the episode i'd like to apologize number one if you guys would like jackson and i to run it back and upload a part two please vote down below for spotify users with that being said i'm white lister and this is locker room where sports unit us and stories inspire us peace out